Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there, Craig Hoffman here. Logan, it feels like we haven't done this in a while because we did one literally every day last week. We actually uh, <laughs> able to enjoy the weekend, didn't have to talk into a microphone. But this is a podcast that uh, certainly I have been looking forward to doing. I'm sure everybody. You've been uh, looking forward to it? I mean, you're, I'm, you're a sick we, man. we are on a search for answers. Uh, <laughs> when answers to the question of what the hell's going on out there? The old yeah. Vince Lombardi clip. Uh, you know, that that is kind of what I want to figure out is hopefully in the next 45 minutes on our tape review uh, show that we do every week here on take command is like get a better understanding of what happened against the bears because a 40 to 20 loss against the team that had previously been pretty unanimously seen as the worst in football. Congratulations Broncos on taking over that title. Um, You know, is, is I would say unacceptable uh, if you want to be who you want to be in terms of what the commanders want to be and figuring out what went wrong and ultimately fixing it is their job. But we can at least do the uh, what went wrong part, the diagnosis here on yeah. the show, and give a couple of ideas on what we think they may do uh, in terms of fixing it. So that's I'm yes, I'm excited yeah, to have a uh, to take a look under the hood. I got you. Yeah, I mean it, it was. Uh, yeah, man, excited is is uh, not what I'm feeling. It it just was like such a gross game. You know, I think like I think they would players probably feel the same way, and it's it's just one of those things that's so frustrating um, as a fan of the team to kind of watch and be like, Oh man, like I can't believe this happened or, or why did they do this or whatever? So yeah, we're going to get into it, but it is a, it is a, fr- it was a frustrating, frustrating game to revisit. I think there's a lot of like, to your point, kind of things that are very insightful about kind of revisiting the game, but yeah, man, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't very pretty. And, you know, I thought the offense played, you know, well in the second half, even that was a little bit, up and down in my opinion so it's got a lot, lot of stuff to talk about for sure so what what can i say logan i just love learning You're that's, just an that's, that's what this is about i just i just love learning learning about what went wrong okay uh so let's start with the defense because that has obviously yeah. been the point of discussion mostly over the last bunch of days um it, it, high level thoughts as we always start with before we dive into some of the plays and some of the details and, and ask some tough questions like if I say like, Hey, what went wrong? You yeah. know, a guy comes up to you at your son's hockey games. Like, Hey man, what happened against the bears? What's the, what's the quick answer? Yeah. What I would probably say to that guy that, that like, ran, leave me alone. Thought, I'm trying to watch my guy, yeah. my guy watch or play some, some hockey. hockey. I would say that a little bit, everything went wrong and it's, it's really hard when that's the answer, but ultimately that's the truth. Like when I look at it, I kind of say to myself, um, 
you know, there's a little bit of everything. Like, so I think there's this kind of, I had this notion when I left the game on uh, Thursday night that the defensive line didn't play very well, even in our recap pod that the defensive line didn't play very well. But when you, when I was watching and I was counting the pressures, because I count them independently of like PFF. I just, I'm like, that's a pressure. That's a win. And I go down and I was like, man, there's like a ton of pressure that the GD line was able to generate, specifically Chase Young. And then I go check the PFF numbers and they're crazy good in terms of pressure, but it didn't feel that way. And then you kind of go back and you say on the explosive plays. So, you know, obviously the one that St. Juice gives up to more, um, you know, the one that Percy Butler's playing that cover to, there's no pressure. So it's like on the most impactful plays of the game, despite the D line playing pretty good, like Montez Sweat had a really good game, very physical in the run, made some nice tackles for loss, great in pursuit, pain flashed quite a bit. Um, Chase, we like he was awesome in this game. Like, I don't know if he's always in the perfect gap and playing the correct technique, but in terms of creating generating pressure on uh, number 75, a guy that we thought he'd be able to generate a ton of pressure on, he did a great job. And it just it didn't kind of click with the back end. And I think that's the thing that's most frustrating, despite these great individual performances and really just general solid play from the defensive line in those moments where they needed to be very productive in terms of pass rush. They weren't. Now, again, Chicago deserves some credit for that because they've schemed up opportunities. So, for example, on the St. Juice one, which is a third and nine, like they've got chip help. They're First drive, third and nine, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're working. They've got chip help. Backs help in the left tackle, tight ends help on the right tackle. They're, wor <clears throat> they're working the slide to pain. So there's a double team on pain. There's essentially a double team on sweat. And there's a double team on, on Montez. And so you'd say, you know, it'd be nice if John could win his one-on-one -on -one there. And I think Something's going on with John. He looks a little bit tired. Some I think, short week. He's an older player. Maybe something's going on there. But yeah, I've, I've been wondering for a couple of weeks now if that plantar fasciitis is either still bothering him in his foot or if the lack of conditioning from training camp because he was not out there for the back yeah. half of training camp is affecting him in a major way. So, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that over this uh, this little mini buy, John Allen's feeling a lot better. And, you know, like they've got a new schedule now. EB's kind of running a more vigorous practice tempo. All those things have an effect and you know you have to talk to john about it but there are times where i'm like man like it'd be this is not the guy that we've come to know and love over the last couple of years he's playing he's playing fine it's just that dominant pass rush performance doesn't seem to be there so and, and again so good protection by them they understand where their weaknesses are they're playing man coverage st juice kind of does a good job at the line of scrimmage undercuts as 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 more stems to the inside edge of the numbers he's thinking dig he plays the dig it's a double move it's a big play over the top but there was no pass rush there and i think the same thing with the percy butler play on the touchdown it's percy's reading eyes he's aggressively reading eyes and one of the things is fields is perfectly statuesque in the pocket he looks down the middle it feels like for two seconds and then just switches his eyes late and throws the ball to more and so i can't i want to be mad at percy I want to be like, hey, man, what are you doing? But I know they coach those guys in cover two to read eyes. I know the weakness of the coverage is the Mike linebacker carrying the receiver up the middle of the field. All those things are true. Why is it a problem? Because the pass rush doesn't get home. But then there's other plays where the pass rush is amazing. So I think that was the thing that really stuck out to me. It's like when one when the D-line was excellent, it those plays they don't they don't they don't become anything you know it's it's like one of those things where because it's a sack or it's a tfl or whatever and it's just like oh that's another play for the defensive line the bad plays the rush didn't show up and obviously chicago deserves credit for that because they protected yeah. it well but um i think that was that was the biggest takeaway it's like the, the that connection we're always talking about between the pass rush and the coverage just didn't sync up 
and despite yeah. the despite the rush being good and by every metric you look at it, it was very good and and I know that's really that's confounding for fans shoot Craig that was confounding for me but yeah. when you watch every clip you're like this is good I, I'm not going to give this a negative grade as a whole but again when you watch film that's why the context is so important in the biggest moments it didn't show up and I think that's the thing that was really frustrating about it yeah it's good 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 ah uh, yeah right. like that's that's what it is and that's those plays, uh, I won't make William work too hard to bleep a billion of, of what I just said, but like the the explosive plays kill you because they overcome the good stuff that right. you can do. Just like in the same way offensively, like if you're in third and 19, but you hit a 40-yard gain, like it doesn't matter how you got in third and 19 anymore. It's done. Right. It's over with. You got the first down and possibly a touchdown. Like that's kind of the the issue here is that when you give up this many explosive plays, it doesn't matter what you do on the other downs. Like it right. literally does not matter. You can play perfect defense on first and second down. You give up a big one on third down and your work is gone. And right. that's why consistency is king on defense. And, and it's been a problem, I would say, so far this year. Yeah. And I think that there's a couple of schematic choices that we can examine of whether or not moving forward they need to be tweaked to help out that consistency and specifically on third down. Um, Ron talked about it uh, on Monday, like when they went back and looked at the film and you know, the analytics, whatever analytics Ron is looking at, they're like, oh yeah, third down is a is a big area where we could have been better on both sides of the ball. Sure. But on defense, it's like, okay, well, they've got third and long. Can we bring some blitz pressure so we know that there's not enough time to get the routes down the field? Yeah. Like th those are the kinds of questions, or, you know, if you've noticed they're, they're using a bunch of chip help, well, let's take those, those guys and put them in one-on-ones, uh, because we're bringing, bringing seven. Like yeah. if you trust your back end, which they seem like they did in this game, because they played a ton of man coverage, then let's, let's use some extra pressure and make Justin Fields think about where he's got to go with the ball a little bit more versus going like, Oh, this is man. I've got time. Where's DJ Moore? Cause right. again, like, at the end of the day, and, and and you know whether they knew this would be the case going in or not, like no one would thought this kind of skew would be true. But three players caught passes from Justin Fields. That's yeah. it. Two tight ends and DJ Moore. And so and, eventually, at some point in the game, like do you make that adjustment of being like, okay, we got to make sure that we have extra help on DJ Moore. He's the only guy that's killing us. And like those are the kinds of schematic things that it's a lot easier here on this Tuesday six days at, or five days after the game with the benefit of tape and hindsight and, and analysis uh, or data, um, you know, all that kind of stuff to, to see. But also that is why these guys get paid a lot of money to try to realize and make these things happen in games. And unfortunately that's, that's not what happened last Thursday. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that again, schematically that was a little bit confounding. And I think, you know, something I would have done, I think something Jack would have done is, probably played a little bit less man I just look at it I'm like man they were in man so much and you mentioned that only three receivers got passes Mooney yeah. had an explosive play that was missed on the first play of the game and then I want to say it was the third or fourth play of the next drive where it's a big out and he basically makes St. Juice fall down and they missed that one too so despite the only three guys catching the football <clears throat> there was many opportunities for more explosive plays which is crazy to think about so I just feel like um yeah, probably I probably would have played a touch more zone or a touch more man match. If you're looking for a more aggressive zone coverage, maybe a little bit more man match just to kind of help those guys be in a little bit better position. I, and it, like you said, it was a, it was surprising. We talked about there are advantages to playing man coverage, especially if you think your personnel is better. 
but I don't, yeah, I don't think I was expecting you or I was expecting the volume of man coverage. And, um, you know, that might've been a game plan specific thing. Like <clears throat> if you think your personnel is better, go for it. Let's run a lot of man. Let's be aggressive. Let's make him hold the football. Um, but if you're going to do that, the rush has to get home in a very specific way. And I just felt like not like we just talked about that didn't always, um, execute the way I think people, or I think that the staff hoped obviously. Yeah, I, I think that too, that again, like we've got the benefit of hindsight, but we did say this before, whatever, like, you know, apologists, this or you know, Monday morning quarterback that like, it's just yeah. here's the analysis, right? If I'm in that position as Jack Del Rio, I understand and I have a temptation to go, our personnel is better. Let's man up. Let's let's get after it. Like, let's set an, an aggressive tone, all of that. But at the end of the day, I look at what the weakness is of that opponent, and I don't trust Justin Fields to consistently beat me in a bunch of cloud coverages, like without explosive plays, soft zone coverage. And that's boring and it's it requires patience. And you know, <laughs> guys like Emmanuel Forbes don't always have patience, as we'll talk about. Um, but like at the end of the day, I'm making them beat me with long drives. And not giving up explosives is my number one priority. And instead, they oh, even if even if their sound logic as to why they made the decision, they missed that key point with the, the strategy that they implemented. And I think that's the frustrating thing is like for you know, do you see the forest through the trees kind of deal where it's like, okay, what's the number one thing? What's the easiest way we lose? Giving up explosive plays. Okay, so how do we mitigate that risk? To me, it'd be playing a lot more soft yeah. zone against a team that, you know, you're you have a big armed, you know, super uh twitchy quarterback, but he's not super consistent with his accuracy, although Fields deserves a lot of credit. Fields played a hell like if we're doing yeah. this podcast for the Bears, we're, we're giving Justin Fields literally the best grade he's probably ever had in his entire career. Yeah. He was awesome. Like the throw, the throw to more to beat Kendall Fuller, like that's insane. It's yeah. so it's so good. But I would have made him do that and you talk about the explosives that he missed and like that's kind of the thing is he's gonna miss a fair amount how do you make him earn it time and time and time again and and they just the commanders just didn't do that on thursday you know i think even even in certain situations i think it was the third or fourth drive you know forbes misses a tackle and like yep. that's something if you're gonna play and I, I think they were in some version of man there some version of match so again not totally uh, in line with your point but they if you're going to play, if you're going to make them go length of the field, you got to make tackles. And that's true too. That, that was one of the most frustrating plays for me because it's like, it's third, I it was third and 10, just tackle the guy. It's, it's second, it's third and two. And you're living to play another day, but you missed the tackle ends up being explosive play to get points off that. And I just think like, that was kind of the game for me. There was like St. Juice on the, on the first explosive, I think is doing what he's supposed to do. It looks right to me. You're trusting the rush is going to get home. You're attacking the dig. Rush doesn't get there. Double move ends up being a big play. I think Percy's doing what he's supposed to do, but it ends up being a big play. Just do what you're supposed to do, like consistently. Trust your teammates. And I think that was the thing with that Forbes play that was so frustrating because that's all in his control, in my opinion. Just make that yeah. tackle and we're in a better spot. So, um, I, but I agree. I think your analysis is spot on. I think with the Bears, you know, when you watch them against Denver, one of the things that stuck out is that they were able to find explosive plays against that Denver defense. It wasn't super, super consistent or methodical. It was, you know, we're going to run a keeper and Moore is going to break 
you know, we're going to kind of get this, you know, they're going to bust the coverage. Moore's going to be open. He's going to make it a 30-yard gain. We're more likely to score points. And I just felt like that was something that if I'm the commanders, I'm like, I'm going to avoid. I'm going to try to avoid that at all costs. So, again, they don't play a lot of – traditionally, they don't play a lot of true zone, the commanders, like this season mm-hmm. they don't. They, it's more matched. But there is a – they're, they have coverages that have more of a zone element to it while it's being matchy and being very aggressive. And I think I probably would have leaned more into that stuff, I, I think. you know, And they might have been. It's really hard to tell, so I don't want to be making these right. declarations. But I, I think something a little bit more conservative probably would have been appropriate. And that being said, though, the touchdown comes in Tampa, too. Like, come on. Right. Like that, you don't get a more conservative coverage than that, honestly. So there was right. – um, so it's easy to be like, play more conservative, but the conservative stuff – um, led to big plays too, and, and not, I think, less consistently than the man stuff, but that just to prove a point there. And I really think what it comes down to is kind of that point or that observation that Ron had is I think your defensive line is playing well, but what can you do to kind of shift the deck? It would be my question to help them in those situations make sure they can generate pressure to ensure pressure on third and nine because your coverage structure is is relying on that pressure to come. And if it doesn't come from those front four guys, again, they're great. Like Chase Young, I think, had like a 92 by PFF, which for people yeah, – He did, 92 is, PFF uh, pass Which is grade. an insane grade. Like that's like your, your best in the NFL. Like yeah, in, PFF in, had him at a 11 total pressures, uh, one sack, three hits, seven hurries, one batted ball. Yeah, I mean, and it, that's show, I mean, and that's not just PFF because sometimes PFF, they count like screens and weird stuff where they get free – he was excellent against that guy. But to ensure that you get that pressure when you got to have it, is there stuff we can do? Can we get to a three-man surface on a pass rush once in a while? You know, like they, they've been pretty good about getting to two threes, which helps John and Allen, um, you know, kind of ensure those one-on-ones. But can we get to an overload? Can we work a stunt? Like think about all the stuff we see from our opponents in terms of um, finding ways to create one-on-ones on the defensive line and create pressures and simulating pressures. And I know they've done that. We saw them do it in training camp. It's just for whatever reason in the game, there's kind of this this belief, I want to say, or confidence, belief or yeah. confidence in your players to make plays when you got to make them. And I think as a coach, like one of your jobs is to make sure that you're getting the production you want when you need it. And so what can they do? I think that's very, very aware of Ron. I think that's the right approach is these guys are playing well, but we got to ensure that in these situations we get the result we're looking for. And how do we make that happen? I think. Yeah. And, and so like the, the calculus there, just to go into it a little deeper, like sending blitzes means you have less players in coverage. 100%. And like, that is, that's the the risk reward thing that Jack and Ron and, and that staff is, is placing. But as a quarterback, if you don't know where the pressure's coming from, like finding out where they're one short is hard and it's got to happen quickly because the pressure is coming and like that's to me is a sacrifice that if you execute your blitz as well is well worth taking and if it's going to potentially line up a chase young a montez sweat a Duran Payne, a john allen for a quick win because they can no longer get double team that's worth to me being one short or even two short at in the right distances on the back end right down a distance on the back end because if it's third and 14 for instance like you don't have time to diagnose and throw a deep shot down the field unless you're like launching one lollipop off your back foot. Right. Like there's not enough time to to have the plays develop downfield to take advantage of them being that shorthanded on the back end. Like that's that's the calculus. That's that sliding scale of time, resources dedicated to pressure versus coverage. 
that you're making. And I, I think that there's opportunities moving forward for this team to be more aggressive on the pressure side of that calculus and unlock all this stuff we're talking about without putting yourself at risk for a back end that is struggling. Like it sounds counterintuitive because you're taking resources away from the back end that is struggling where you have a front that's actually playing perhaps better than people realize, but to actually achieve the goal, you're at, you're actually not hurting them. You're, you're helping them because you make their job easier. And even to like simplify it even, even more than that, obviously you're talking about bringing pressure and that, and that's important, right? Bringing five man rushes, six man rushes. That's a part of, of bringing pressure. But I think I also think there's simpler ways and maybe less uh, ways that are less less risky that you could yeah. also employ, right? I, we've talked about simulated pressure, and one of the things that teams have done to to the Commanders, like think about the stuff that the Bills did. They're not always bringing five men; they're bringing four men, but they're just kind of changing the pattern. And right. by changing the pattern, understanding the protection rules of the opponent, you're able to kind of maximize your rush opportunity and you got to call it in the right situation and the guys got to be smart they got to say oh they this is how they set their slide they set their slide to the passing strength or they set their slide away from the back if you know that they're going to do that i can ensure the two-man side and again this is a little bit different because you know chicago i think they understood where the commander's bread was buttered and they did a really good job of making sure we got um you know we got all these protectors in there we got you know chip help we got all this stuff going on i think that's that's also important to kind of factor in. But the other thing that you see a lot, like if you look at the Cleveland Browns, for example, is can you get Chase Young matched up on a center? Can you get Montez Sweat in a more advantageous matchup? And those are things that do encourage more pressure, but they're not incurring more risk in the back end. And you got to plan, you got to study, you got to game plan a little bit. But I do think that that is um, that's something else, like kind of in terms of a sliding scale of creating pressure. Obviously, you can go – Everyone remembers that engage eight from Madden where you're blitzing eight guys right. and it looks all crazy. Or we can just kind of change the pattern of the rush up front, move guys around a little bit to ensure we're getting the matchups we want. Yeah, totally. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there, Craig Hoffman here. Uh, we're back at Tap Sports Bar this Sunday for the Take Command pregame show ahead of the game against the Falcons. Uh, hopefully, Logan Paulson Bowl two goes better than Logan Paulson Bowl one yeah. on the season. But we'll preview it starting at 10 a.m. Doors open at 11. Come join us. And if you can't join us in person, of course, we are live on 1067 The Fan, the Team 980, and both stations. YouTube channels. Okay, Logan, uh, I want to talk about a couple of individual players real quick, uh, and then we'll get to the offense. If you're 
Ron and Jack, like, what do you do with Emmanuel Forbes? Because you benched him the other night. Um, he's had issues. Uh, I, I think that some of these issues are probably solvable with some more discipline, yeah, some more reps. So. Some of them, I I don't know uh, if they're as quickly solvable or are they more off season things. So, what do you do if you're if you're them with your first round pick? Well, I think uh, just looking at some of the mistakes that he's made or some of the issues that he's had, I would say that while they're not good and their protection is not that good, I do think he's flashed some really good stuff in terms of coverage. Like even the one that's the the explosive play to more, like he's in pretty good relationship. And I was listening to a national podcast uh, earlier this week, and they were like, "That's probably offensive pi," and I don't disagree with that. You know, the way he kind of lowers his shoulder on the guy and creates the separation that's going to happen like that's good route running also so i understand why they didn't call it but overall he's in pretty good phase I, the thing that i have been a little disappointed with him just in general is his just lack of of physicality and i think that's more of a mindset thing you know just saying hey man we're in the nfl like let's make that tackle you know like let's let's be a big boy here let's make this tackle i don't care if it looks ugly i don't care if you're hanging on to his shoelaces Let's get that guy in the ground. And I do think that's something that's just an effort thing and a, a mindset thing, an approach thing that can be fixed. And I don't think we're talking about it in the same context if if he makes that tackle, right? There's the other one where it's, it's a hitch and he goes for the PBU. I'm also like, hey, man, like there's times and places to engage with super risky behavior. Like the one at the end of the game where it's third and three or third and two and Fuller goes for the pass breakup on yeah. the hitch to more. I'm like, we... The game is on the line. If we don't get this stop, the game is over anyway. I'm totally fine with you rolling the dice there. Rolling the dice in the in the middle of the second quarter is probably not what I want. So I think all of these things happen when you have a young player. And this is one of the things that I, in my evaluation, I went back and checked my, checked my notes. I was like, he tends to gamble more than I would like in college. And he gets away with it because he's super fast. He's really long. He's, he's, he's very instinctive and he makes a lot of plays. And so that's something you're kind of managing is the the risk of his play style with the opportunity for explosive plays. Now it's about saying, and I think honestly, Chase Young went through a similar process early in his career. Guys are bigger, stronger, faster. They're more intellectual in terms of football IQ. The stuff you did in college just doesn't work the same way. It's not going to happen in the same context. So I think that's so important for players to understand. Like stuff I could get away with in college no way I could get away with now. So one, one small example, the smallest example I can give you is just snap count. In college, you think you're getting off on the snap count. Wide 80, wide 80 said hut. I'd go on hut. I'd go block my guy. In the NFL, I felt like I was late on every single block. And Cooley kind of came up to me and was like, hey, man, when are you getting off on the ball? And I was like, well, like when everybody else is. And he's like, come here. And he showed me the film and, I, and he like freeze framed it. And I was like two frames behind everybody else. And I was like, what the heck's going on? He's like, go talk to the center. So I went and talked to Will Montgomery. He's like, I don't snap it on set. I snap it on like the S of set. And I, so I was like literally a full word behind everybody in terms of cadence. And that's something that just takes time and experience in terms of understanding what you can do in the NFL. And it made me a better football player. He will go through a similar maturation. Now, I think it's frustrating because he's a first round pick. But I think you see the talent that he brings. You see the upside. You see the potential. So for me, it's just about he's got he's got all the physical tools from a coverage standpoint. Now it's just about teaching him, hey, let's use this technique when he's going to bump on you. Let's give him a little tug. Let's do this. Let's get in this position. Let's work my feet here in a better way. And I think those are all things that can, that can be worked on and be corrected. It's just going to take a little bit of time, much like the, the grace we've given Sam Howell with some of his mistakes. I think you're going to see a similar thing here with Forbes. So 
I know a lot of people are like, he's terrible. He's a bust. I think that is such an overreaction. He's going to oh, go yeah. through growing pains. He's going through growing pains. That's fine. The physical skill set is there. Again, I just would like to see him kind of engage with a more physical mindset on a more down-to-down basis. Like there was a play later in the game where they're running a GT, and he's the run player. And they've got big uh, Darnell Wright pulling the corner. And he's standing there, and he just gets steamrolled. I'm saying, man, you're 166 pounds. Go cut that guy's thigh board. Like, let's play smart football here. You don't want to take that guy in with your face. Let's make a big pile there and let let our tacklers come make tackles. But I think that's the stuff you need to see from him more consistently. And um, and I think I think that stuff is is not easily correctable. But I think there are technical things that can be done to make him more effective. I think step one is managing his confidence, um, and that's just a very human thing. Like sure. you've, you've been the best and that like this is what happens in college in high school and then in college right you're the freshman who comes in and you get picked on and then you'll learn how to play and by the time you're a senior you're like you're the one with all the tricks right, right. and all of a sudden you go to college and now you're the freshman again and it's like oh crap how do you go and then you you rise up and you become a first round pick caliber player in college and in the sec nonetheless and then you're just a rookie like no matter yeah. how good you were as a college player you're a rookie in the nfl and there's a level of ego and just like human management that has to happen if you're the coaching staff and i do wonder between decisions to bench or public comments like how are they doing in that and that that is individualized like i crushed rivera and del rio a couple years ago for going after jamin davis the way they did because i thought it was totally unfair turns out like it was actually the right play because that jamin's been a better player since then and you know how much does that actually have to do with it i don't know versus something else that clicked but like he didn't whatever it was he didn't respond negatively to being called out publicly like that was something that jamin uh at the very least had a neutral but seems to have a very positive reaction to how is forbes in that regard every guy's different um and and so we'll, we'll see as time goes on how that plays out. Um, and I know you disagree a little bit on this with me or a lot on this with me, but like, I think the weight's an issue. Like I look at that play and go, yeah, is it OPI? Yes. But Kendall Fuller doesn't get thrown as far, you know, Benjamin St. Juice doesn't get thrown as far. Like it's a simple massive, like it's physics. Like if you're, if you're lighter, uh, a a force is going to push you farther. Um, and so I think the separation at some of the top of these routes that's happening where he can't quite get back in the play and get a PBU or a pick, or it's a harder tackle to make because the the receiver has a little bit more time to get his balance and, and make a move. Like, I think that's influenced by the fact that he's hasn't learned how to play in the NFL with this level of like, it, it coincides with your point, right? It, yeah. It's at this level of physicality at his size. And he's yeah. either going to have to, in the off season, put on weight or he's going to have to figure it out. Um, He's going to have to figure out different leverages and different things. And I don't mean leverage like coverage leverage. I mean True. like human physics leverage. Where is his body position to not get taken advantage of in those ways, the top of route when a guy throws you off? Like, Or you're going to have to get better at flopping and draw some more flags. Like, well, one, one of the things I'd say just as a response to that is in yeah. training camp, we watched him like go up against Logan Thomas. And Logan Thomas is trying to big body him at the top. And he figured out a way. I think it was right. like soft inside shoulder, pull with left hand, break up here right understanding of like when the contact is coming so he's done it we've seen him do it he did it with terry did it with jahan like he he has the ability to do it i think it's just about finding that level of consistency with the techniques that you see fuller deploy or saint juice deploy right. when they're getting but, that like we also know that training camp physicality is different than nfl game physicality but, but like to me like at least you've seen you've yes. seen a roadmap for it is what i would say and, I, and again right. like the, the physicality is different but in one-on-ones, like when you're going for it, like 
when you're at like in those hyper competitive situations, I don't know, man, they're going against Terry McLaurin in a one-on-one and, and finding a way to kind of manage that contact. I think it's not the same, but it's close, you know, it's and I close think enough that, that I feel like he can figure it out, but he hasn't yet. Right, and, and I think I, that's, and, that's where we are right now at this point, going into week six. And also, like again, like the coverages and, and the rules and all that stuff, we don't know, and so maybe there's some stuff there. But I do think, yes, I think the reason I'm confident that he'll figure it out, I guess, is what I'm saying, is because I've seen him utilize some techniques and approaches that have allowed him mm-hmm. to be in better position. And I think a lot of people I can hear it in the comments already. I'm like, I've got like six, a sixth sense here. Like people are like, well, Christian Gonzalez figured it out. And I haven't watched a lot of Christian Gonzalez because I've been watching all of this team. But what I would say is we don't know what kind of matchups Christian Gonzalez is drop, uh, drawing. We don't know what kind of coverages they're playing. And so like, I look at Forbes, and he's drawn some really, really tough matchups. A.J. Brown, that's a tough matchup. You know, D.J. Moore, that's a tough matchup. And so as critical as we're being, like he is literally getting thrown into a crucible of fire here of yep. having to play against really, really good football players. And I look at the A.J. Brown matchup, actually, and I'm like, he was very competitive in some very physical catch situations. Like, there was that comeback that he that A.J. Brown ran, and he tried to big body him at the top, and Forbes is like, no, dude, I'm going to use my feet. Here we go, PBU. And so he has shown an ability, even in in big time against big-time players, of, of managing that. But in that same game, you know, we talked about the double moves, right? So here it's like... Can you bring some of that, which used against A.J. Brown, against D.J. Moore? And I think D.J. Moore is one of those guys, quite honestly. He's not a big man. Kind of reminds me of like Steve Smith a little bit. I know he's one of your favorite players yep. in the sense that like he's he's small, but he plays big. And so getting – He plays huge, and he's really tough to bring. Like in fairness yeah. to Emmanuel Forbes, tackling D.J. Moore sucks. Yeah, it's not like a fun thing. He's like a running back. So <laughs> yeah. what I would say is like as you play more, you get to know what works. Like I remember the first time I played against DeMarcus Ware – and he totally sunned me, like absolutely. It was like, get get out of here. Like, what are you even doing on the field? And I was like, oh no, this is gonna be a very <laughs> very difficult time for me. But you yeah. you you don't know. It's like you don't know. It's like the Matrix or something. You don't know the new reality until you've seen what guys can do on the field, and you don't get that oftentimes until you're on the field. Like I didn't know what thirty five inch arms felt like until he just planted his arm in my chest, and I was like, I need to develop a plan for blocking people with long arms. And then you do something and then you're like, okay, this works. I'm going to continue to do this. So it's a process. It's a journey. I think he's fully capable of making that journey. It's just about, like you said, managing his confidence and then him being a student of the game, which I think he is having talked with him. He's a good kid. He's going to learn from Fuller. He's going to learn from St. Juiced, find what works for him and develop, like Smoot always says, develop your file, develop your Rolodex on what guys do and how to watch film and prep for guys that are, good football players. Like that's the thing about the NFL. Like you are going to see something, especially as a rookie each and every week that you've never seen before from a physicality standpoint. And think about AJ Brown, big kind of hulking dude, right? DJ Moore, super quick, sudden kind of compact body style. Very, very different. You're going to see something different every week. And just about saying, okay, this is, this worked against DJ Moore. That might also work against Tyree kill or whatever body type you want to compare. Right. So I think that's that's a process that's going to take time, and um, I, I'm excited to watch it, quite honestly, because it, it's, it's one of the fun things about rookies in the NFL. To be clear, I very much agree with everything you said. Like, it's just diagnosing the problem, but I have a lot of faith in Emmanuel Forbes to figure it out. He seems like a tremendous kid who works really hard. He's really smart. Like, I, I think he will figure it out. 
Um, my biggest question is like, how is he managed between now and, you know, figuring out as an ongoing process that comes sure. in layers. Um, but how do you manage him in the meantime to keep him productive real quick before we get to the offense? Um, bad news yesterday, no other way to put it. Uh, Derek Forrest hurt in this game. Uh, he's going to go on IR. He's going to be out for whoa, a while. Whoa. Um, Jeremy Reeves also hurt in this game. So you're now down, not just Forrest, but potentially the guy you used to back him up. How do you, you know, Percy Butler has not had a very good year. Um, PFF at least says, I, I mean, he's, he's been near the bottom of the grades and he, sure. he hasn't played, he hasn't played a lot, but he's, he's given up some, some bigger plays. How do you see him fitting in? And then also Quan Martin time to get your defensive snaps, kid uh, strap up time to go. Um, how does, how does this affect them? Um, I mean, obviously it's a big deal because I think Forrest is pretty good. I, I, you know, I like what Percy's done. I think it's the same thing you run into. He's a young football player, and so he's yep. kind of realizing what he can do and what he can get away with, also. And I, but I like Percy. I like his approach. I like his physicality. And I think he's again, he's going to get better as you go. And I think, um, like we talked about the touchdown that he gave up, and how I don't know if I'd coach him much differently. You know, on on the touchdown that he gave up in the game, I think you're relying on the rush to get there, um, but. Like to your point, the original point, this is going to be tough, right? You got a lot of people coming in and playing new spots. Depth at the safety position was kind of a strength. Now it's a weakness all of a sudden. You got Quan coming in, and Quan was basically playing backup nickel for a long time. And now he's got to learn all your safety rules. So all these things that make this defense good in terms of man match and aggressive combinations and who's rotating to the box and all those things that make this defense good – are going to be much more challenging to do because you got a new piece back there. So how does he fit in? Do you put Cam back there and put him at nickel? We'll see. But again, there's going to be a little bit of musical chairs to kind of find the best combination of people to get on the field. Um, but it's it's always tough losing good football players. And yeah. you, this is why you get this is why coaches get paid and why scouting departments get paid is what is the solution to this and can you develop guys and can you get people where you want them to? So so I feel really bad for Percy and for uh, um, for Reeves. So. Hopefully they get better quickly, but yeah, for uh, for Forrest and Reeves, Percy coming in, uh, excited for that opportunity. Uh, they called up Terrell Bird just from the practice squad as well, so there's your depth, and we'll see. Uh, obviously, how that affects special teams too, um, which hasn't exactly crushed it, although I think it's probably been fine. Um, but Percy uh, was obviously one of their main gunners, and and Quan has been as well, so uh, we'll have to see how that affects that. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you. Uh, subscribe wherever it is that you are watching or listening right now. If you haven't, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button. Uh, helps us out. Helps other people find it. Don't be selfish with the podcast. Share it with all your friends and uh, and strangers on the internet. But you don't have to do that like personally. You just hit the like button and then they'll see it. All right. So offense. Uh, this will be better than talking about the defense, but not necessarily in the first half. Um, part of that is opportunity, but. They also don't have a ton of opportunity because they went three and out a couple of times. What yeah. happened offensively in the first half and how did they eventually get things rolling? Well, I just think it kind of shows you, at least in my opinion, you know, this is one guy's opinion, how the offense is built. It's not like an explosive play, chunk play offense. They need to convert on third down. And I think that's something that is kind of intuitively obvious to fans. But, you know, for example, the first third down they have and they run that dive to B-Rob and then, uh, Gates gets beat by number 97 on the line stunt or the run stunt and ends up yeah. being attacked for loss. Like I what I mean, can we talk about that play for a second? Sure. Like it's creative, it's different. 
Um, if it works, everyone's like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Cool. Look at EB going 1940s NFL running a pro set. But like, how many times did they practice that? Well, that, that's kind of their, that is their short yardage philosophy. Like if you look at, what was that, Philly, right? They run the same play, but it's, I'm trying to remember who was in, but it's like B-Rob's at the, at that, or it was Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez is at the, yeah. the fullback spot and they hand the ball to him and, you know, he's able to kind of ride the wave and get the first down. I think you're trying to hide the back a little bit and sneak him in there. Personally, I'm like, if you have a run you like, call it like just call yeah. the run. You know, I, and, I just feel like they're not very confident in short yardage right now. Like they did the Logan Thomas QB sneak thing a couple times. Like they're doing, they're doing, and I, I wish I had a better term for it, but they're kind of doing wacky bits in short yardage. And it's like, yeah. do you not just trust your guys to run duo or inside zone or whatever and get one yard? Yeah. Like to me, I, that's always where I've been philosophically, but you know, Eric Bianami's knows way more about this well, stuff and you know remember on the staff you have different people you have like a short game a short yardage game coordinator you know one of the coaches mm -hmm. maybe randy jackson i don't know or randy jordan excuse me randy jackson yeah. well randy, randy jackson jordan. is he still doing american idol i don't know Doesn't i don't matter. know whatever he's doing uh but you know he'll kind of be like hey i, I like these short yardage plays and then if eb's a good offensive coordinator because he's handling a lot of other stuff you know there's a run game coordinator pass game coordinator they all kind of bring him stuff and then he's able to kind of distill it down and find what he likes. So obviously they all made a decision that they like this play. And I don't hate the play, you know, I don't hate the play from a philosophical standpoint, but I'm just like, there's gotta be a play that you've repped more that you feel better about. Right. You Especially know? Like, on a short week. Like, yeah, that's kind of what I would say. And, and, and again, they, they run this play out of different formations. So maybe it's the same play, just a different formation and you just get got in a weird situation. I just, I don't, I don't like that play. I don't, I don't like the fullback dive deal. You know, unless you're yeah. running like with a fullback, like San Francisco runs it a lot with Kyle Juszczyk, but he's in every play. So it's very, you know, distracting, you know, when you everyone, Christian McCaffrey's back there, they run a motion, everybody's looking around, kind of sneaking to him. Here it's like, guys, look what we're doing. Who's going to get the ball, do you think? And it's like, I know he's going to get the ball. B-Rob's going to get the ball. Like, you're not going to give it to Terry right here. So that's kind of <laughs> right. my, my thought on that. But again, like it's worked for him in the past, so I'm not going to be too critical of that. But you don't get that first down. And it ends up being a huge deal. And again, you don't get the ball back until what? What's the timestamp on that? It's something crazy. Like, it's like midway through the first quarter. You have two drives in the first yeah, quarter. Four, four eighteen in the first quarter, you get the uh, the ball back. So you have two drives, and then you go three and out off a sack and on the second drive. So, I, I, it's just it's good offensive approach, but you got to make sure that you're you're efficient and effective in this offense. Like they're just not good enough. They're not talented enough to overcome bad situations. Like, for example, when you watch Kansas City or you watch the Bills, for another example, they'll get in second and 12, and you don't feel like for a second that they're in any danger here just because the quarterback talent isn't isn't them, isn't Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I'm not insulting Sam here. But, yeah. like, it's going to be – it's it feels more laborious to get that back. So just making sure you're positive down in distances, and that's just like kind of football 101. But that, to me – that's the big crux is you couldn't. And the other thing I want to say too, you got me thinking here, Craig is it's my the, job. Yeah. Is that I really felt like they didn't, at least in the first, first drive, couple of drives, they didn't understand or Sam didn't understand kind of what Eberflus was going to do. Eberflus is this mm. very soft, very conservative coverage structure. And it's like, just check the ball, just spam the check down until they get out of that coverage like that's really what you want to do and the i think it's the first drive of the second half you see them they throw a screen ends up being a big play 
throw it to Gibson, ends up being like a 15-yard play because he's just checking the ball down quickly and being effective. And then Ibraflus on that drive, I think, brings a pressure. But like he wants to play these conservative coverage structures. And so I just felt like Sam didn't really get it. Like there's a time where he's trying to wait for the corner. It's like just throw it to the flat. It's five yards. Let's get in second and five, be at a manageable down distance. Instead, we take a sack. It's second and 12. And it's like, okay, now we're kind of boned. So I felt like there was a much, uh, there was a maturation from Sam in terms of understanding. And, you know, I might be projecting, but that's what it looked like in watching the film. So that would be the biggest. No, I think that's, I think that's something that's like an offshoot of what we've talked about where, you know, we were kind of asking the question out loud rhetorically, like has Eric Bieniemy learned how to call an offense for Sam Howell and not Patrick Mahomes, the guy who takes the the most sacks per pressure uh, versus the guy who takes the least. And I think part of that is obviously Sam helping himself. These are all multifactorial equations. Look at me sounding like a big old, Um, but like, that's that's part of it right like you know if you're in second and 12 the other team's going to bring bring pressure and you struggle with pressure avoid second and 12 take yeah. the check down like yeah. some of that is on sam um where it's like yes technically there this is a deeper route concept but if they cover it fine just take the take the easy one because if they right. cover deep that means there's a lot of space shallow right. and so like these simple calculations that are very easy to sit in this comfortable chair in front of a microphone and say and sam has to do it in real time like it is what it is, but like that's yeah. his job. And so making sure, and I think that's going to probably be a continued point of emphasis for Tavita and for EB and for for everyone who's in Sam's ear and Jacoby and, and anyone else is like, hey man, just do the Alex Smith. Don't go broke t- making a profit. Make a profit. And how do you consistently, even if you miss a, a big investment opportunity down the field, how do you make sure that you do not put yourself in bad situations? And Part of that is the play calling. Obviously, you know, can you, I think, more effectively use the screen game, for instance, um, is one area where I think that they've been successful in a lot uh, of ways this year and haven't necessarily used it as much as I would have thought. Um, But also, you know, running the football, being balanced. And and Ron, for the first time, kind of said this week, he's asked a question about the offense and his default answer has been basically, whatever EB wants to do is cool with me. And he, for the first time this week, was like, you know, we want to, we got to make sure we stay on balance. We want to run the ball effectively. Like it was the first time Ron actually said something about the offense. And so play calling, but also, you know, to, to circle back to where we started here, like Sam's got to help himself. And that's not just on the plays where he's facing pressure, getting rid of the ball quickly or whatever. It's not getting into situations where the defense can bring a bunch of pressure in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to, I agree with Ron. I think you got to run. And because that's the other thing is like in the first half of this game, I don't think they ran the ball very well. Like it was not a very efficient proposition. I think the best run was different than the second half where they didn't run it at all. Correct. But I do think, I do think there is something to your point of like, again, you see the offensive efficiency in the second half. Like they were great. You know, they were finding first downs, finding explosive chunks and who cares if they're throwing the ball. But I do think you're just leveraging the offensive line and leveraging Sam a lot when you're not running the ball. Like I look at um, the, the 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 Chicago Bears, for example. I thought they did a really nice job of we're going to run the football, we're going to be consistent, we're going to get into like third and manageable, third and shorts, and we're going to convert these things with plays that we really like in third and short situations. Like the third or fourth drive of the game, it was like, you know, tush push, tush push, tush push. And they're yeah. all in like the kind of these short things. And it it th- that is not an efficient drive because they're technically in fourth down but they convert a couple fourth downs with a, a very specific game plan play that they really like. So yeah. I, I, th- I think there is something to, and this is really hard for coordinators to understand. Like it's hard for me at the high school level is running the football 
is it's not super efficient from an analytics perspective, but it is a low leverage thinking play that allows you to be more effective. And so that's something that, um, you know, right now they don't have a very diverse, at least game to game, like running philosophy because they're in the gun a lot. There's not a lot of motions. It's very stagnant. But can you kind of start scratching that a little bit, peel that back a little bit? Can we get in some different personnel groupings? Can we get into some different backfield sets? Can we use some different, you know, jet sweep type setups? And that's something where even though the run game doesn't look super efficient, I think to your point, and it's something that I think the rooster brought to our attention is can we just kind of scratch a little bit, see if we can find some plays that get us in better angles get us in better situations to run the football and make that a little bit more efficient and, and be okay with that, that newfound efficiency, the screen game, the bubble teams, the, the, the quick game stuff, that's all been a nice addition. But, yeah. you know, I think the run game, there's times where I'm like, man, I think there's more meat on the bone, especially, you know, given how the offensive line blocks. And I think the, everyone's going to come out of this game and say the offensive line played terribly. Like, cause I kind of thought that when I, after the game, but when you look at their grades on PFF and when you wa- when you watch the down to down film, like there are some beautiful pockets and you're like, like this yeah, I don't is... think they play poorly. Like yeah. I would say they run block poorly in the first half when they were yeah. run blocking because they ran six rushes throughout the or Robinson had six rushes uh for 10 yards. He averaged one yeah. seven to carry. Yeah. Um, and by the way, that he had a five yarder in there. So his other yeah. five carries were one yard on average. Not very efficient. Um, and... and then Sam has four rushes for 19. Those are scrambled, but they literally ran. 55 i think was the number straight pass passes. plays it's the most it's the most or called passes it's the most in the history of pff since 2006 so they started true. tracking this stuff uh in terms of of called passes in a row sam obviously runs a couple of scrambles in there but yeah like they weren't good but i, I think at the end of the day too like second and eight is better than second and 12 and like yeah. sometimes that's the math like forget all the analytics and you know kind of the new ways you can frame that data at the end of the day, I'd rather be in second and eighth than second and 12. And like, sure, can you get in second and 12 in a run play? Yeah, but like second and 14 means something went really, really wrong. But that's that's just what happens if you get sacked on first and 10. Like second and 14 actually ain't that bad of a sack even. So like, how do you Whoa. stay out of second and 14? You run the ball, and even if it's a two-yard game, like second and eight's a down and distance you can live with. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think I think what an uh, analytics person would say to you is that, like, because of the penalty of holding, the penalty for holding is so great right now. It's a ten yard penalty, true. and that's they true. are and they're called at a very high rate, like relatively speaking to other plays. That's where you get that that negative variance that you didn't see a couple years ago. But to your point, some of the most efficient offenses in the NFL right now are on the ball, like over fifty percent of the time, which is something I never thought I would see. But Kyle Shanahan has the highest run frequency of any team with the 49ers of any team in the NFL. And again, they have a quarter, they have a quarterback that's kind of supposed to be a passenger this year. They find ways to get explosive touches and they run the football with a diverse bunch of offensive personnel. And I think that there is something to be said. Like, can we just our passing game is solid? I think there's no doubt about it. We want our playmakers on the field, but can we get to some more creative runs? Even in that 55 play sequence, I'm really surprised that this didn't run a draw. Just run a draw. Like, here's a draw. Right. Let's run it right now. And then let's see, just to alleviate some of this, the pass rush being like, it's a pass every single time. Yes. But um, but I, I think in that second half, to, to your point, like, they did some really good stuff in terms of finding, like, Sam was excellent in terms of finding big-time throws. There are times where I think he gets a little bit antsy. He's, he's vacating clean pockets. He's passing up stuff right now, like on the second two-point conversion 
the one that he doesn't scramble in the following one. There's an Antonio Gibson is wide open on the yep. angle route. That happened a couple times in the game where you're like, that's a miss. Like, why didn't you see that? That should be a throw. The one to Diami on the post versus Tampa 2, you call that play expecting Tampa 2. The Mike linebacker is kind of in no man's land. Diami's over the top, and you missed that throw. There was a couple of those in there, but I think overall – you feel pretty good about Sam in the second half, but I think to yeah. your point, and that like, happens. Like we used to complain about that stuff with Kirk. Like, yeah, it that happens. happens with every every NFL game. Patrick Mahomes uh, even misses. One. You know, whether it's missing a throw physically or missing a throw mentally, decision. You know, to throw yeah. somewhere else, or, or you you don't see something like that stuff happens. That's a great it, point. It's, it's, it's great built point. in, but it's just you know when when the the, the margin of error is as small as it is because your defense gave up forty like those things become bigger deals. And, and I'm not saying he played bad. I actually think he yeah. played pretty well. Yeah, I very, think Sam played pretty well. But he's very competitive. And again, those are things that will get better as he gets older and as he matures and as he gets a better feel. And I know that's like a frustrating thing for fans to hear, but I think I think he's very talented. I think he's a good football player. It's just, it's not, he's not the best version of himself today. And I think he will get better as you go. But I think the O-line played fine in the second half. I, I actually think they played pretty good. I think yeah. Sam played pretty good. I thought the receivers played pretty good. The problem is they didn't really play football in the first half, right? You get a bad interception when after you have a nice long drive, I think it was eight or nine plays that ends up in the field goal, then you throw a bad interception. And that interception yeah, on the first play of the drive. Yes. And it and it right and it felt like you had a little bit of something going. And think about you go down there, let's say you score a touchdown. It's 10-17. And it's like the complexion of that game looks dramatically different. And so as much as we want to give Sam his flowers, like that's a bad mistake. And yeah. I think he's thrown it late over the middle. Um, don't love that. Again, the first read's dead. They were kind of bracketing Logan Thomas in the slot because like, they like to run that choice there with him. But again, those are situations where it's learning when the play is dead and throwing the ball away or taking a sack. Even taking a sack there would have been better, right? So there's a couple plays like that throughout. But overall, I think you feel pretty good about it. And it feels weird saying that in such a bad loss. I think the, th the reason why it feels weird is because that first half was – was just so poor. In the second yeah. half, you see you see all the positive things this offense can do and can be. In the first half, though, you kind of see the the worst versions of it. Them not converting on third down, them not getting the ball back to the second half, having one good drive turnover. Then you go into halftime. That's it, folks. That's all you did in the first half. Hard to win a football game when that's the production. So, hundred percent. Oh, and especially when you know, obviously, we know what happened on the other side of the ball. Um, you you, yeah. you don't have a chance. Um, right. you didn't give yourself a chance offensively, and your defense didn't. Uh, didn't bail you out. Let's uh I want to zoom out even further, like the farthest we can, uh, to to kind of wrap this up here quickly. When you lose 40 to 20, it's national uh, TV, it's pretty embarrassing. And immediately, no matter what actually was the truth on the field, people are gonna be like, they didn't try, they didn't want it, the effort's not there. Right. Like, do you have any concerns about kind of the mental like the mental state of this team? Or when you watch the film, was this a team that played hard but made mistakes and got their butts kicked? So I think obviously, and when it, when there's a blowout like this at any level, like there's going to be stuff that isn't good, right? There's going to be stuff where you're like that effort could be better. I I remember I you know I just watched it yesterday, but um I I left the game film going, man, the D line played hard. They played hard. They played physical. And I know a lot of people didn't feel that way. I know a lot of people say, oh, well, like they converted a third and seven and two thirds and seven running the football. And to me, yeah. they got you with the pen. They run a trap on one for a gain of six, tush push the next play first down. You're in two, three techniques. So you're really wide in the middle of the field. You run basically a dive and the linebackers are dropping out because it's third and seven. It's an obvious passing situation. 
ends up being a first down. So they kind of got you. Like that's what you like to do on third down. It makes sense. You want to increase your pass rushing efficiency. You get got. But overall, I think that group, even against the run, played really good. There's a couple plays. I think you know um, there was an explosive play where they're running an ET. Uh, so N goes inside, tackle goes around, that gets washed down. Barton gets caught up in the wash, ends up being an explosive play. Um, but it, it's so funny because we're talking about like five plays in the course of a whole game and everything else. I thought the defensive line did a good job. Obviously, the secondary, I think there's, you know, that's frustrating. It's frustrating, you know, it's uh, the, to have that level of production. But in terms of effort, it's not like I don't see guys not trying or guys turning down tackles like St. Just is an animal out there. Right. And so from an effort standpoint, I think you're okay. Yeah. I think and what about a, like, a, also like, you know, sometimes you can see the stuff on film because the TV camera will cut away and give you a hero shot yeah. or a replay. Like a guy's barking at each other, guys simping at each other. Like how, like I I, it, it's it. really kind of a wellness check, you know, in the yeah. locker room. And th this to me is like a really important question moving forward. And when we talk about the uncomfortable thing of like coaches getting on the hot yeah. seat and things like that, it's like, well, as long as everyone's still bought in, like you just got to correct the mistakes. And I yeah. think that is where we are is like, they're still bought in. They're two and three. It's week yeah. five. Everyone wants a head to roll because it was embarrassing. And yeah, they're lost three straight and it's bad. And there's a lot of stuff to correct. And I, and I think there's real questions about, you know, do they have the people in place to correct them? Sure. And like, why, you know, defensively, for instance, why is this happening again? Another slow start, but I do think it's worth pointing out, even if it's unsatisfying and people are going to get mad in the comments section, bring it on. Like, I don't feel like this is like an effort issue. I don't feel like, like yeah. guys need to figure out how to make plays. That is, that is a different story, right? Like and defensive I, line, you're playing well. How do you make a play? If you're, yeah. you know, on, on, we've talked about the, the touchdown to more on the cover two situation. Yeah. Like if you're Kendall Fuller there, like, can you just be a football player and go make a play and see that and draw? And it's not your responsibility, but like you see that bad, something bad's about to happen. Can you fall underneath that throw and at least get a hand on it or challenge the yeah. throw? Like there, there can't just be like a, Oh, well we lost and there's no solution to it on a touchdown play that you give up. Um, that's, that's not good enough. There's, you know, what, what's the best possible outcome. And I think that's what needs to be figured out by this defense, especially defensively is like, how do you get better outcomes? But that is football. That is the NFL. That is not something yeah. extraordinary, extraordinary, not something remarkable in any kind of negative way. Yeah, I agree. And it's in some way, this is going to sound crazy to people, but in some ways these losses are good because it really forces you to like, as a coaching staff, be very uh, self-reflective and be like, what are we actually doing here? What are we doing to put our guys in good positions to be successful? Because we right. thought, you know, they, they put this game plan in thinking it was going to be great and it wasn't. So it's like, well, maybe this guy can't cover the way we thought he could cover. Or maybe this is too challenging. Maybe the rules are too hard. Or maybe like in this situation when he's in this alignment, he can't rush as well as we need him to rush. So though these losses, these types of losses, if the coaching staff is correct, and I, you know, I know, I know EB, I've, I've, I've known from college, like we talk when we're in the building, like talk about a guy who, who, who is going to use this as a motivation to get this team better, right? I think that's right. I think Jack has an element of that too. He's hyper competitive, right? If they take this the right way and the team takes this the right way, this can be very, very positive. And I know that sounds insane, but it, it forces you to kind of do a reality check. You have a little bit of a mini buy here coming off the Thursday night game. 
what were our projects? What did we study? What did we look at? Did we look at explosive runs from other teams? Can we put any of that stuff in? What are our coverage structures? What are our coverage rules? How does other teams do what we're doing? So as much as people want to say, like, this is terrible, and it, it's not great. I'm not defending no, the loss. Not good. It's Being, not great. When you start 2-0 and and then now you're 2-3, and three, that's definitively not good. It's not great. But I think this can be very good for kind of building a platform to say these are areas we can improve in going into the second quarter of the season. And if you come out of the second quarter of the season with a winning record, the, the whole thing's on the table for you. And I think yeah. that's what Ron's saying, especially given the strength of schedule. So um, this, I know fans, it's hard to, to picture that, but in the locker room, like if they handle this the right way, this can be very, very positive. And, you know, like I think about 2012, like we had that bad loss to Carolina. Remember that loss? It was like, we, uh, it was like right to, before to the Ron bye. Rivera's Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And it was right before the bye. And Mike was pretty much like, we got to reevaluate everything, you know, personnel decisions, the whole thing. And we came back and the groups were really focused and we played really well the second half of the season. And with that staff, that team took that loss the right way and were able to parlay it into something more. So I, I think this game against the Falcons, which we're going to preview in a couple of days, is going to be very indicative of that. Yeah, I, I think to your point, to like distill it down to the most important thing, it's like, do you learn how to put your players 100%. as a staff? 100%. Do you learn how to put your players in better positions? Because you're currently asking them things to do things that they clearly are not capable of um, in the ways that you thought. And so Correct. we yeah. will we will figure it out. Uh, we will give hypothesis or uh, hypotheses, hypotheses <laughs> on uh, how that matchup goes with the Atlanta Falcons on our next podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to get that two days from now on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, of course, the free Odyssey app. Between now and then, uh, check out Take 5, our five-minute version of Take Command. And of course, I'm on the radio for a lot more than five minutes every single day on the Team 980-427. We also stream that show live on the Team 980's YouTube page. For Logan, I'm Craig. We'll see you next time on Take Command.